I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. And welcome to episode 105 of the Canto Bite Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, it's my delightful co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's Monday, but tomorrow is my Friday, so I'm very excited. That's good. Yes. And we are very close to D23. Like, people will, well... Well, people are listening to this, D23 will most likely be going on. Yes. Uh, that's That's been fun. Sh- should I start off with uh, the, uh, the, the... Have you... First off, have you heard about the whole reservation system that went on with uh, the D23 Expo? Well, I know that, like, all the big panels were you made reservations for, and I know that the reservation system had some delays. Yes. So originally the reservation system was supposed to go on Friday at 12. So here I am sitting at work. I have all my monitors ready with my iPad. I don't think I had my iPad on, but all right, it's 12 o'clock. Okay. Now it's 12.05. And then you get an email saying, okay, there's a lot of fucking people. We're going to move this to one o'clock. 1 o'clock. 105. Uh, I'm so sorry. We're moving this to tomorrow because we underestimated how many people are doing this. So. I don't. Like, you know how many tickets you've sold. So I don't understand how you do that yeah i'm extremely nervous for this convention because how unorganized everything has been like i remember going last year there was a lot of miscommunication like there was a big thing going on where a lot of people didn't get into one of the panels so they just started giving out wristbands to the other panel so people didn't have to wait in line and it was just a bunch of angry people and unfortunately that's what happened on Saturday when the new reservations uh, started. So they started at 12 o'clock 
And by 1220, everything was taken. Wow. It was a clusterfuck. Like, I'm saying this and I feel really bad saying this, but I got really lucky. I got both the Disney Plus panel and the go behind the scenes of Walt Disney Studios, which is basically where they're going to show all the Star Wars movie stuff. Mm. I only know one other person that got that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it it's so shitty. Like, it makes me feel really bad that I got lucky and a lot of people didn't. Like, I don't know anyone that got like any sort of reservations whatsoever i mean rusty i was on the phone with rusty and Araj. they didn't get anything and i'm trying to think what else happened like it was it was so weird like i i keep checking like the hashtags and everything because this is just awful uh people would get their like congratulations you got a reservation check your email then there check their email and either the email wasn't sent the email was blank so oh yikes i'm very nervous that my reservations aren't gonna count but you have like email confirmation and everything yes well, like then, I, then you're probably doing pretty good i know like uh, the part like the, the part of my brain that worries about everything like, is like, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Like, I know they sent me an email, but I don't know. I would, what I would do is print those emails out. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to so do you, that. Because it's like supposed to, it's supposed to link to your badge, right? Yeah, they have, it has my badge number and my email. Yeah, I, I, I would just take those emails with you. Just, I feel like that would give you an extra sense of security just in case. Yeah. But I'm so nervous. I mean, like, I'm so excited because I was so lucky to, you know, get the panels that I wanted. It just sucks that, you know, I was so willing to wait overnight in line and all this stuff happened. A lot of people got unlucky. And, you know, like a lot of people have, you know, gone on like social media, like Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, saying like how they want to sue Disney and how it's unfair. Like, I agree. Like, this is unfair. Like, honestly, like if they like sent like a mass like email today saying that we're, we're doing this like I'd be fine with it because I just I feel like no one got an opportunity to get reservations like everything sold out I feel like maybe lottery really is the way to go it's the most fair system because I had never been so nervous in my life like you know having to wait for that little man on the screen to to go to the very end to you know get to the reservations and pick and choose everything and it was just you know you would press something and it'd be like error then you'd press it again and then like it was so weird so I had on my iPad I had two pages open and it was I was going to do like okay if I got two pages I'd do one for Friday one for Saturday for some reason like my one for Saturday like, when I tried to press it, like, to confirm my reservation, it was like, error, this doesn't work. But then I checked my email, and I saw that I got the reservation for Saturday, too. And I'm like, I don't know how that happened, but okay. But I don't yeah, know. You know, like, I feel like the thing I like about Lottery more is, sure, like, at Star Wars Celebration, we knew a couple of people who got into 
all the major panels and a couple people who got into nothing. But most people I know at least got something. But when it's this, all the reservations are going up at the same time, it seems like you got everything or you got nothing. And and that doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't sit well with me either. Like, I feel so bad. Like, I should be excited. And I am. Like, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I feel bad for Rusty. I feel bad for Raj, who should be getting this passed because he has a newborn child. And, you know, he's worried that he won't be able to, you know, get out and, you know, go take care of him because, I don't know. It just, it's a lot. I'm stressed. I mean, I'm excited, but I'm stressed. I want everything to work out. Like, I should be excited because, you know, I'm guaranteed that, you know, I don't have to wait in lines and anything, but I'm just afraid that something's going to happen. There's going to be a mishap. (sighs) Cons are stressful. Yeah, they are. But... Anyways, um, how are you doing? How has your week been? Um, it was okay. Let's see what happened. Um, since we last recorded, oh, I guest hosted for Steele's Colin shows because he's doing that again. So, um, that episode's now up. We're mostly talking about resistance and then some on D23. You also called it on that. So, yeah. you know, listen to that. That was fun. I'm glad that Steel's doing those again because I think they're a good time. I always really enjoy them, even if I'm not guest hosting. Although I really like guest hosting because then I give to give, then I get to give Steel shit, which is one of my favorite things to do in life. So that was a good time. Yeah, I'm really glad I helped you out with the Mary Poppins table thing. For those who don't know, Steele is obsessed with the fact that at D23, when they were talking about the Mary Poppins Returns, they the, the presentation, they were excited because they had this table <laughs> that was used as in a prop in the original movie. Here's the thing, though, is I can see being excited about that. Like, if you're involved in the movie, like, a sequel to something like Mary Poppins, which is a huge classic movie. Why wouldn't you be excited that you have something from the original film? Like think how people freak out when they see something in the Star Wars sequels that references something in the original movie. Like people love that shit, even when it's like a replica of a thing or just a mention of a name. So if I loved Mary Poppins and got to make a Mary Poppins sequel and, oh, look, here's this table from this movie that meant a huge deal to my childhood, I'd probably be pretty fucking excited about that. Yeah, I remember the director was so excited sharing the news with us at this table that was, you know, in the kind of same condition that it was over 50 years ago was going to be in the film. That's all I yeah. remember. Yeah, but Steele's obsessed about it. And I find it hilarious. But anyway, yeah, so I did that. And then this weekend I recorded 
a new show that I'm doing for the Blue Harvest Patreon, which I highly suggest joining if you listen to Blue Harvest because they do a ton of shows. There's like a different show every week. And um, by the time this comes out, that should be up. And it is Hawes and I revisiting shows that we love by watching one good episode and one bad episode of them. Hmm. And sort of using that as a way to talk about like what works on the show and what doesn't work and what we love about it and what is maybe not so good. And so um, if you are a Blue Harvest Patreon, check that out. Really, I wanted to do it because I wanted an excuse to talk to Haas like on a regular basis. So we'll be doing, I think, one, like, one a month or something like that. But that was a ton of fun. I'm really excited for people to listen to it. I'm a little bit nervous because it was like my idea. And so I'm very like, I'm very invested in people liking it. Well, now I have to start watching Lost. <laughs> like, it's not it's not going to be Lost. Like, we did Lost this time. Um, next time we're doing Buffy. Um, we're probably, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to do Star Trek. We're going to do maybe some anime stuff. Because we're also going to do shows that, like, only one of us has watched. So, like, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to, like, choose two episodes of Battlestar Galactica to watch. And Hawes is going to, like, choose two episodes of Cowboy Bebop to watch. But, and besides this last one, we'll be, like, announcing beforehand what episodes we're doing so people can sort of, you know, join in if they want to. Lost is a little difficult to just jump into watching a good episode and a bad episode. You would be utterly confused. You'd be lost. But, but like, Buffy, you could probably do. Could we also send in recommendations? We are going to be taking recommendations, yes. Both for shows and, like, specific episodes. Can you watch the Jersey Shore? No. Why? It's an American classic. <laughs> We're not watching the Jersey Shore. Emily, you don't understand. Like, I have brought back the Jersey Shore into my life. And I've got to say, I am enjoying reality TV a little too much. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Can you name one person from the Jersey Shore? Is is Snooki from the Jersey Shore? Or is she from something yeah. else? Yeah. Well, technically, she was on that True Blood. There was a girl named Snooki on the True Blood or something, but she spelled it with a Snooki with an I E. Snooki with an I is on the Jersey Shore. Good job. She likes pickles. True Blood was Sookie. There's no N. Oh. I never watched it. And I watched, I watched a shit ton of that show. Some of it was a hate-watching situation. I'm not going to lie. But I watched a lot of that show. They were really hot vampires on it. Didn't they just have, like, sex all the time? And like, Oh, it... yeah. There was, a, there was a hot Viking vampire who was shirtless like half the time how do you come up with that stuff I mean it was based on the books mostly oh these were books yeah 
Oh. I mean, it, it deviated quite a bit, but you know, it was a whole series of books. Hmm. I never knew that. Yeah, I turned on that show pretty hard, but I think the first couple seasons are still super enjoyable. Hmm. And again, hot shirtless Viking vampire. Cannot stress that enough. A lot of time covered in blood. Not gonna lie. Definitely helps. Oh, the blood helps? Oh my god. When it's when it's a hot Viking vampire, yeah. You don't want a hot Viking vampire who's not covered in blood. I mean, that's okay. But if you're going to be a hot Viking vampire, you might as well be a hot Viking vampire who is also covered in blood. Wow. Go all in on the hot Viking vampireness. So what if Mendo was a hot Viking vampire and then did that? That would be like your heaven <laughs> oh my well i don't think i don't think mendo can really pull off viking but mendo is a vampire very much down for it do not think that i haven't thought about that totally have definitely wanted to play a vampire is any is he like signed on to any like new movies lately uh well he's got that hbo show coming out next year the stephen king one he's the main dude in that Oh, yeah, huh. I think we... Didn't we report that, like, a couple months ago? Yeah, we would have talked about that. Not a vampire, sadly. But that's okay, because the Stephen King vampires aren't hot. So... Hmm. I definitely wanted to play, like, a hot vampire and not, like, a monster Nosferatu vampire. Because I want to see his beautiful Mendo face. Just with some fangs. I could see him with some fangs. And I have a whole thing with my neck anyway, so yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why the vampire thing appeals so much. So Anyway, we actually have Star Wars news to talk about this week. Maybe we should do that. Yes, I'm very excited about some of this news because (coughs) Ewan McGregor has rumoredly signed on to do an Obi-Wan show. Yeah, so first of all, we gotta do a big shout out to Jordan Mason for breaking this story because a lot of places did not reference that he was the first one to put it up with. Fucking shame on you, all the other places that reported this and did not link his name to it. Bad. But yeah, it's 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 shit. Anyway, he had an article. When did this first come out? Um, What day was it? It was I like Thursday or Friday? Thursday, because I messaged you about it. Okay. Yeah, so Thursday this came that... Well, here's the thing. is When we first said it is rumored that he had signed on to do an Obi-Wan project. And from all reports, it was going to be a Disney Plus show. Um, when Deadline and Variety and some other places like that picked it up, they have it as in talks uh who knows by the time by the time you're listening to this i mean especially with d23 it seems like since this is broken that would be an obvious place to confirm it slash you know officially announce it so potentially very exciting panel for you at d23 
I'm gonna cry. <laughs> like seeing that beautiful man on stage. Like I, I'm glad I'm sitting down because if I were standing, like my legs would get weak, and oh my god, like just the years of you know me writing and fourth grade journals that I love Obi-Wan Kenobi and I'm going to be in the same room as Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> like <laughs> this is a childhood dream come true aww um yeah and then like Fan the Tracks added something new to the mix which was that he's also like part of his deal is he's going to direct some of the episodes and that a familiar mechanical co-star will return. Hmm. Maul. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you count as mechanical just if you have like robot legs. He has no penis. He got cut off, so he's a robot. I'm sorry, if you get castrated, you're a robot? Well, it's replaced by spider legs, so he's a robot. Okay, couple things. Robots can have penises, and I don't think the lack of a penis equals robot. Well, it's like artificial now. Okay. I just like when I like okay, they Okay, said but okay, if if you had if 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 somebody has a prosthetic leg, I don't think they're a robot. No, no, not at all. But I just think that maybe it's Maul. And you wouldn't, that's not how you describe Maul. I mean, look, there's rumors that Maul's going to be in the show, and I super hope not because I can't. I fucking am so done with that story. But you wouldn't, that's not, mechanical is not the first thing that you would use to describe Maul. He has mechanical legs. But that's like what you use to describe like R2D2. Yeah. Like, you would just say, like, a familiar villain will return, or a familiar Sith will return. You wouldn't say a familiar mechanical co-star will return. Maybe, I don't know. I, I was just throwing that out there, because I don't really know what other mechanical co-stars will come. Well, it would be hard, because, like, I mean, it can't be fucking R2-D2 or C-3PO, or anybody, really, because, like, the whole, I mean, it's already stretched enough with the whole him not remembering those two. So if you have even further interaction with R2-D2, I'm I'm so done with the whole, from a certain point of view, Obi-Wan Kenobi's a huge fucking liar thing. So I've been racking my brain trying to figure out who else it could be. I don't know. Forlom? Uh, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, it seems like we're we're getting an Obi-Wan show for real this time. Maybe. Well, it's a two-hour long panel, so I'm getting something. I'm getting that Lady in the Tramp preview, that High School Musical preview, uh, some of the Marvel shows preview, and uh, The Mandalorian preview probably not in a whole episode because you can't fit that in two hours so how are you feeling about an obi-wan show i'm very excited 
Um, when I think of, you know, like the Star Wars that, you know, I gravitate towards, it's honestly the prequels. And whenever I, you know, feel prequel material or, you know, like Rogue One was, it's probably one of my favorites because, you know, I felt all of that. And seeing that, you know, I'm going to see a character that I haven't seen on the screen since the big screen since I was like 10 or 11. Like that's, that's my childhood. He's my childhood. And I'm really excited that, you know, I'm going to get that aspect of, you know, my childhood back because, you know, I definitely see this new trilogy and I connect that with, you know, my adulthood now. So I'm glad to, you know, go back into the past. Yeah. I mean, so far we've only had four movies, six seasons of the Clone Wars and dozens of books and comics with Obi-Wan. So obviously that's a character we need to have more of. Emily, you're just so excited because you can have more mediocre sex dreams about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) It would totally be mediocre sex. Yeah, for you. Not for me. Well, depending on my mood. I mean, look, sex with Ewan McGregor, totally fine. He like I've seen his penis, awesome. Wait, wait, you not in not in person. Was it in something? Do I need to watch transponing? Transponing? What did you just just call it? (laughs) Do I need to watch transponing? Well, you do need to watch transponing. Where can I I see his dick? I need to see it. <laughs> um, I mean, he's naked a lot. Okay, I'm looking up right now. And Ewan McGregor, dick. Okay. Uh, Train Spotting, The Pillow Book, Velvet Goldmine, and Young Adam. He's done Full Frontal and all of those. Oh, that's a penis. Wow. I I didn't know that a lot of dudes did full frontals. Well, they I mean they don't like you see women naked a lot more than you see men, so it's sort of notable with him that you've seen him naked in multiple movies. Too much pubic hair though. I I don't I can't do that. He's also naked in the whatever season of Fargo he's on, but I don't think you can see peen because that's on FX and I don't think you can show penis on that. You can show boobs. Oh, there's a gif with him taking off his pants. Yeah, it does nothing for me. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I mean... You know, there was a reason why he was at the Solo premiere. And also, today Disney Plus uh, made their Instagram and Twitter account. And I was looking to see who they follow. And I used to think that he had an Instagram account, but he doesn't anymore. His daughter does. I think that he don't doesn't have one anymore after all that stuff with his wife and everything and how he cheated on her with an actress from Fargo. A mess. But 
they're following Favreau. They're following, I don't, I don't know, but not him. So we'll see. I'm hopeful. I mean, I've been hopeful since, you know, all the thousands of other times they've announced something Obi-Wan. But I'll find out on Friday. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, the lack of announcement is not the same as the show not happening, but we'll see. I mean, I do. When they announced there was going to be that they were working on a third series, and I know there there's other stuff in the pipelines that we do not know about. I'm disappointed it's another male lead. I'm not going to lie. Like, I like Obi-Wan. I think I like Ewan. So shut the fuck up, Chris Fresh. He's Ewan McGregor's awesome. But I do, I wish, I just, I wish we were getting a female-led show. And I think, I think you can be excited about the stuff that Star Wars is doing while still be disappointed in the stuff that they're not doing. Yeah. What would you, uh, what kind of series would you want? Or do you think that Star Wars should have? Well, I... I think these shows are this place to explore new shit. So... I was excited about The Mandalorian in part because... While it's still set, you know, in this goddamn 30 year span, we cannot get away from, although we'll talk about that in a bit, you know, it was still, it was new characters and Cassian, uh, Cassian, you know, I'm intrigued enough by the premise that I go, okay, um, I'm down with that, but I don't know. I just, I want, I want something new. I want to get away from this time period. I want to get away from these characters. I want something that's not jammed in between a bunch of stuff that we already know. Hmm. Like I want to go either way in the future or way in the past and do something that's not filling in the blanks. I'm tired of filling in the blanks. I feel like filling in the blanks is what books and comics are for. I want the shows to do something different and I want the shows to be more diverse. And it's, look, it's great that we've got um, Pedro and Diego. That's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, and Cassian, we don't know yet what the supporting cast is going to be. Supporting cast on Mandalorian. One woman. Yeah. We have no idea how big her character is. Maybe her character is huge. Here's the thing. Even if it's huge, it's still only one woman. It's sort of like when people talk about, you know, when you talk about lack of representation and then people point out uh, of like of women in stars and people point out Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One has Jin. Why is she the only one? Yeah. Like, why is none of that supporting cast or, like, like the rest of the Rogue One team, like, 
why not more women? It's like as soon as you have one woman, it's like check off on the box. You don't need to have any more. And that is exhausting. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just hope that, you know, these next few movies and series will have, you know, leading ladies and, you know, I don't know. I I just hate. I'm tired of, I'm tired of being told, well, you know, it's going to be the next one. Because yeah. it just never is. I understand. Like, it's, it's definitely okay to feel that. Like, I, I never want anyone to, you know, tell you that it's not okay for you to, you know, feel these things or anything, too. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want it to be, like, I'm shitting on people for being excited about Obi-Wan. Like, if, look, if they were doing a fucking Krennic show, I'd be over the moon. I think yeah. you can be excited. Like, like I said, like I think you can be excited about a project and still think there's some fucked up shit going on that they really need to fix. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. I'm just like torn about everything right now. <laughs> so I'm just trying not to lose my mind with all this news that's going to start coming out and it's a lot yeah and so let's move on to the other thing we got the thing that Erin was talking about before the Obi-Wan thing broke and that is we got a trailer for season 2 of Resistance that announced that season 2 is the conclusion to the show and it is starting up on October 6th which, if they don't split the season, should take us right up until The Rise of Skywalker. Which, to me, makes the most sense. Because it seems weird to have, like, half the season and then have the movie and then come back to the stuff that we sort of already know, it like, how it would end in terms of, like, what happens with the Resistance. Even if we don't know specifically what would happen with these characters. So... We'll see. We don't know entirely how that's going to work yet. But season two trailer, what did you think? I thought it was good. I just, I feel like with these animated series, Star Wars is terrible at trailers. Like they add like the same like ticking noise and I don't know. Like I watched it a couple times and, you know, only the only thing that really struck me was, you know, the end with Kylo and tam like i just am so interested in tam and not that i don't care about anyone else and but bitey i just don't care about anyone else but bitey and tam and it's shitty because one of them's a fish <laughs> i care about everybody but kaz i'm just pretty much i yeah no you're gonna say well, no, I care about I care about K- Tam, I care about Niku, I care about Toradoza. I like the other pilots, even though we've barely seen any of them so far. I care about the Colossus. I mostly just don't like Kaz very much. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that 
you know, that technically this is going to be the last season. But I wish that they would have announced this in, like, the very beginning so that people wouldn't be, like, so shocked or so sad. Because, you know, we know a lot of people that really like the show and that are bummed that it's ending. But, I mean, this wasn't the show for me from the beginning anyways, even though I, I love Bitey. I hear the thing is like I, I really enjoyed the last few episodes of the last of the first season, and I'm I'm hoping that continues. I think there's a lot of cool shit that you could be doing, and in the trailer at least, it looks like it could end up being pretty focused. Although it's a trailer, so who knows? But as much as I enjoyed those that last story arc on the show, and as excited as I am. I'm super happy for it to be two seasons. Like, just especially with The Rise of Skywalker coming out, like, that makes sense. And I'd much rather be a tightly written last season that matters than have another two seasons where there's just, like, Kaz falling over some shit for, you know, 11 episodes. Yeah, I agree. Like, I like that they're not dragging it or adding like unnecessary filler stuff and I don't know and I like the, I don't know it's cool like we're gonna see the Colossus obviously is somewhere in space we know that they're like supplies are running low and there's tons of tension and you've got the whole first order fight going on you have Kylo Ren Obviously not voiced by Adam Driver. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, super obviously. Look, I know you can't, like, like Adam Driver's got a lot of shit going on. No doubt. It's just weird because so often on these shows you get people who are so good at duplicating voices. Like, you have Steve Stanton who does an awesome Obi-Wan, who does an awesome fucking Tarkin. Like, really, really great. And then you get this dude doing Kylo, and I don't know who it is. It does not sound like Kylo. At all. Um, I think it kind of did. But I feel like, I, I think that was Matt Wood that did the Kylo. I think that he's really good at voice impersonations. If that's him, I think he is usually very good. I This Kylo really stood out to me. Hmm. Like, there's just, there's something about it that is not right. Yeah, maybe I just got really excited seeing Ben, because I really thought that he was going to be in the last season. And I think just, like, seeing Adam Driver excites me, because... You don't really see Adam Driver that much. I'm really hoping to see him at D23, which, I mean, he probably won't go. Because I think he's still doing his stuff in uh, Broadway. I thought that was over, but maybe it's still going on this month. He's a busy dude. Maybe. Yeah, he's a busy dude. He's in tons of movies and shit now. But mostly I'm excited about Tam. Because, first of all, I think she's just cool. And I think she's got a story we haven't heard before. And her story gives up an opportunity to find out more 
about what's going on in terms of the inner workings of the First Order. And that is totally my jam. Um, I get sort of obsessed with that, that hierarchy and details and stuff. You know, we talked about my weirdness of like, what's the human resources department like in the, you know, in the empire and shit like that. But <laughs> with her there in the first order and becoming like a tie pilot or whatever. And obviously, obviously she's not going to stay there. But I'm really interested to see both how it plays out and ultimately how it ends for her. Like whether it's going to be her redeeming herself through sacrifice or if this is a cartoon where everybody's going to live. I I don't know. I I have no idea how the show is going to end in terms of that. But that's the storyline I am super stoked to see. Just like the regular person who falls. So it's not like the, you know, the, you know, you had Anakin manipulated by the emperor and, and Ren manipulated by Snoke in ways that we still don't know. But it's not like super powerful mystic dark side shit. It's just a regular person who got caught up in fascism and I'm really intrigued by that. Especially in a cartoon for kids. Yeah. This is definitely a perspective that we've never got before in star wars you know someone that turns and is part you know of the empire or the first order and i'm really excited to see what that's like i really hope that we get actual details and not just you know like i know it's a kid i hate saying that it's a kid show but i really hope that it's a kid show yeah i know but i hate throwing that excuse that oh it's a kid show they're not going to dive deep into you know serious shit i mean like they did they showed you know Kaz's planet getting destroyed I just I I almost want to go into this with no expectations because if I give this show like expectations that it doesn't meet then I'm just you know gonna report back every week and being like yeah it was okay you know and I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah I mean look to a certain extent you have to meet the show on its own terms in terms of like it's it's meant for a younger audience and it's a 22, you know, minute cartoon. But that doesn't absolve it of its sins in terms of, of, of quality or anything. There's plenty of good kids shows and terrible kids shows. And so that's sort of, I would say, completely divorced from the idea of it just being a kid show. It's, it's that That doesn't isn't an excuse in terms of if it's shitty or not. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I just It just needs yeah, it's just in terms of what kind of content they can have. It definitely does influence that. Exactly, which I think that's where I was getting at. Well, hopefully, I mean the season's going to be good. I mean, last, the last half of the season was, you know, really enjoyable. Like, it took me a little while to get into the show. And, you know, and we get to get 
to know these characters a little more before we never see them again. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that should be fun. Yeah, that's always that's always the thing with this, and we do we do know they're already working on another animated show. Obviously, those have a whole lot of lead time. Um, Pablo was tweeting about the fact that they were already working on this like the summer of 2017. So we'll see what the next one is. But for now, I am going to be optimistic, which is unusual for me. But I'm going to, I don't know, that trailer made me optimistic for this season. Sweet. Well, I'm glad you're optimistic. I'll try to be optimistic, too. Look, I'm probably gonna like it more than like the. It can't be like shark people bad. So, well, and oh god, if there's fucking shark people in November, we're gonna go back to shark people. Or... When the Clone Wars comes out, I'm excited. Clone Wars, Clone Wars comes out in November. I believe that's when they are releasing it on the streaming service. Isn't Mandalorian coming out in November? Yeah, they both are, I think. I could be wrong. What? I haven't heard anything about the new Clone Wars season. I don't, well, when else would they do? Okay, wait, let me look this up. I thought they were I thought they were spacing that shit out. That's all. Everything I've been hearing is is thinking that it was going to be like later, like next year. I don't know. I think October, oh, damn it, no, October 3rd, 2008. <laughs> well, Emily, we what the fuck are you talking about? We missed it by 11 years. No. Because Mandalorian is day and date. Like, November 12th, when the, when the platform launches. I was under the impression that the Clone Wars was going to be released when the platform launches, but, again, I'm probably wrong. I'll go home now. I just am so excited to ask you if you watch The Clone Wars. Like our podcast has like progressed into this like beautiful sexual thing. And then just that little piece is missing. Like the me asking you if you watch The Clone Wars. Like we just need that again and I'll be whole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about uh, that. I would be. I'm not. I'm not excited about it. I know, and that weirdly makes me even more excited. <laughs> okay. I um. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure how to feel about that. I'm kidding. If you don't want to watch the Clone Wars, you don't have to watch the Clone Wars. I do have to watch the fucking Clone Wars. I have to. If you really don't want to, Emily, like I understand. I mean, I don't know. I was gonna use the excuse of you know. It'd be a great thing to add to the resume, but just in case you kick me off. But... 
Shall we move on to the next news? Yeah, and that's look, it's not it's not a ton, but it is something that made me happy because we hadn't heard anything about it for a while, and that is Ryan Johnson talking about his Star Wars movies. Um, so, first of all, fucking suck it. He's still working on them. I mean, I don't know. Look, if you listen to our podcast, I'm assuming you're not somebody who hates Ryan Johnson. People but, uh, hate Ryan Johnson? I mean, obviously. But anyway, he was asked about it, and this is something um, The Observer had an interview with him, because they were mostly talking about his new movie, Knives, Knives Out, which comes out, I think, Thanksgiving, and I'm very excited for. Um, anyway, he says, I think that the fun and challenging part of it is to dive in, figuring out what's exciting, and then figuring out what it's going to be. He said, we're doing something that steps beyond the legacy characters. What does that look like? To me, the blue sky element of it is what's most striking about it. I know the way that I'm coming at it, and what's fun about it for everyone in George Lucas' film is figuring out what's the next step. It really makes you think and figure out what the essence of Star Wars is for me and what that will look like moving forward. Hmm. What do you think when you think of Star Wars? Well, I mean, at its essence, just space fantasy. And there's so much different stuff you could do there. And it's telling, telling fables, telling myths. That's what that's what I think of when it comes to Star Wars. Because Star Wars is... It's more mythic fantasy than it really is science fiction. I mean, strip away the setting and just looking at the story. It's, it's, it's hero myths. And so... The universe that is set up is so vast and has so many cool things you could explore. And so really moving beyond that and doing something totally new while still having a familiar heart is what I want and what I think Ryan Johnson could be really good at. Yeah, I agree. God, I I still can't believe he's doing a Star Wars or that. I wonder how far he is on this. Yeah, who knows? But it definitely, I mean, it, it seems like it's going to be his next project. Yeah. But I really like Ryan Johnson. I like his movies. I think, I mean, that trailer from Knives Out is hilarious. I love The Last Jedi. I think it's such a brave move in so many ways, but you can also look at it and see where he was still super restrained. And so I'm hoping his quote here gives me a lot of hope, although 
definitely Star Wars has been down this way before of, oh my god, look at all these new creators who are going to have so much freedom, and then they don't. But the idea that, you know, he's he's talking blue sky thinking and sort of, you know, really getting to, to step outside of what's already been done. Man, I hope that's true. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm just really curious. Like I I feel like whatever he does, I'm gonna be like pretty content with it. I mean, Last Jedi is still one of my, you know, most watched Star Wars movies. Like it's really easy to just put that in and you know, if you're cleaning the house, watch Last Jedi. If you're relaxing in bed, you you watch The Last Jedi. Fucking love that movie. Yeah. Really do. And I just I don't know. I also again like I just I really like Ryan Johnson. Like, I like him on Twitter. I think he's funny and smart and cool. And I feel like he could really expand what Star Wars is. And somebody needs to. Yeah. Um... Look, you can tell you can still tell stories in this same era that we have. Obviously, I mean, especially if this Kenobi announcement is is real, then they're still gonna be doing that. And that's fine. I'm much more okay with it if it's alongside of something new. Give me a new era, give me new characters, give me a new part of space, give me something. Yeah, I've been wanting a new era for a while. I'm I'm done with, you know, after the events of Return of the Jedi or, you know, in the middle of that era. I'm done with it. Give me something new, please. Thank you. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm also just glad anytime there's, like, confirmation that he's still working on that, I get relieved. And also just... Because there's still so there's all these like you know he was secretly fired Kathleen Kennedy was secretly fired all of this fucking nonsense that is exhausting and just vaguely infuriating and so anytime we get a little bit like no this is still happening I'm I'm pleased. Do you actually like in, if you ever hear that stuff? Do you like believe it for a split second? No, but it's annoying. And I just like thinking that these pathetic asshats are, you know, have confirmation of how stupid fucking asshats they are. Yeah, I feel like I've just, not that I ignore them, but I don't really see them much on my feed anymore. And I know they're probably still somewhere bashing Ryan Johnson, but I mean they have a pretty sad life where they're bashing a dude that's successful and makes bomb ass movies. And you're sitting in your basement on Twitter, yelling at people. That's just really sad. Go outside. It's nice. You know, or you have a dog, go walk your dog. Let make your dog happy. There's, they don't deserve dogs. I know, but I mean, 
a dog could change anyone. Like, you know, you can go adopt like a greyhound at one of those, you know, greyhound centers or, you know, you can go adopt a fish, you know, some some animal that needs a better life. And, you know, that can change you, you know, like in Free Willy, like the, the kid was bad and he was stealing forks from the restaurant. And then, you know, that, you know, that's not a fish, right? Well, you know where I'm getting at. You know, he was stealing forks and shit from restaurants and then he became best friends with Free Willy and he freed Willy. Wait, is is the whale's name Free Willy? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go adopt a whale, I guess. Befriend a whale. Uh, I would suggest leaving whales to fuck alone. You can admire them from a distance, like how I admire my work cats from a distance. Well, technically, I'm not supposed to talk about work anymore because we got this like mass email saying that we're not allowed to talk about work on social media or anything, even though no one knows where I work. I still worry about that stuff. Well, I think talking about cats is probably okay. Yeah, I love cats. That's good. Let's see. Okay, another thing we had to talk about. Um, okay, so technically, I don't know if this is new, but it's the first I saw it was tonight, and I hadn't heard nobody else talking about this before, and that was the official description of the upcoming novel resistance reborn which is coming out in november it's one of the you know road to blah 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 books by rebecca roanhorse and yeah and it's there's some interesting stuff here like we knew some of this but some of this was new to me and that was okay i'm gonna read it from this was on penguin's website in this pivotal prequel to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, the heroes of the Resistance, Poe Dameron, General Leia Organa, Rey, and Finn, must fight back from the edge of oblivion. The Resistance is in ruins. In the wake of their harrowing escape from Crate, what was once an army has been reduced to a handful of wounded heroes. Finn, Poe, Rey, Rose, Chewbacca, Leia Organa, their names are famous among the oppressed worlds they fight to liberate. But names can only get you so far, and Leia's last de- desperate call for aid has gone unanswered. From the jungles of Ryloth, the shipyards of Corellia, the shadow of the First Order looms large, and those with the bravery to face the darkness are scattered and isolated. If hope is to survive, the Resistance must journey throughout the galaxy, seeking more leaders, including those who, in days gone by, helped a nascent rebellion topple an empire. Battles will be fought, alliances will be forged, and the Resistance will be reborn. Hmm. Now, the first part of that we knew, which that it was going to be about, I mean, obviously the resistance being reborn and sort of giving us at least a little bit of a bridge from Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker. Now, let's be honest, in terms of how pivotal this book actually is, because you, most of your audience isn't going to read the book. But... I mean, from the jungles of Ragoth to ships of Gorilla, pretty fucking cool. And but mostly seeking out more leaders, including those who, in days gone by, helped a nascent rebellion. 
which means familiar characters. I'm excited about that. Please, please, please give me Mon Mothma. Please, 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 please. Yeah. I don't know. Reading the description for this book was really interesting. Like, I I still can't believe that we're going to get episode nine material soon. Like, you know, we're going to find out, you know, what happened after the battle of crate and all of that. Like it, it sounds weird, but it just, it still feels like we're never going to get into this story because we've been waiting for so long for it. Yeah. And I try, I try not to get too excited about the books in terms of, Again, how important they're actually going to be to the story. Because there's only so important you can make them to the story. But you can still tell a really good story within these books. Even if it's not going to be, you know, vital information. But, like, from the description of this, there's some really important shit going on. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that in terms of what we see in the book. And then what we see when the movie comes out. And we still don't know who's writing the actual episode 9 novel, correct? I believe that is correct. But I feel like Wendig would do it. Actually, never mind. I don't think Wendig is doing anything for Star Wars anymore, is he? Other, yeah. Well, I mean, he's definitely not doing anything for like the comics, but he's talked about the fact that he'd be happy to, to like do more novels, and the novels are... I mean, not all of the novels, but a lot of the novels are through Del Rey, the the stars in part of Del Rey. Like he still writes for Del Rey, like that's his publisher. They published publish his last several books, his, not his Star Wars books, his regular novels. Hmm. Like he has a really good relationship with them, and he seems to still have a really good relationship with the Star Wars like editors and stuff. There, but the way he's been talking, he's not working on anything now. And I don't know if he'd be interested in a novelization. Yeah, I wouldn't think so after all the stuff he's been through. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing still like play playing in 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 the i in the IP of of is one thing, but I think doing a straight novelization, and and who knows, like maybe I'm wrong on that, but it doesn't necessarily seem like his jam. Yeah. All you know, we're getting like the info on books, and we're gonna start getting like behind the scenes, and it's a lot. But I'm excited. What are you hoping for at D23 in terms of the Last Jedi? I'm not the Last Jedi. In terms of (laughs) Episode Nine, I just want to get excited about it because honestly. Not that there's, like, not a bone in my body that's, like, not excited for episode nine, but I just don't feel it yet. And I want to be able to feel that with the material that I'm going to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I was it, It's kind of depressing and weird, but, you know, I was talking to Carlos about this the other day. Like, I, I feel like, you know, I was a bigger Star Wars fan, like, 
before getting on Twitter and seeing everyone, you know, complain about, you know, like all these Last Jedi people and everything. Like, not that it's like hard for me to get like excited about like, you know, new Star Wars stuff, but I don't know. Like, I'm always like hesitant because, you know, I see so many opinions and, you know, I I feel bad for thinking something because I feel stupid or, you know, so I don't know. I just want to get excited. Like, I miss that excited Star Wars feeling. I don't know where it went. I would like to find it. Maybe because we haven't had a movie in so long and that solo disappointed me. You know, when something you love disappoints you, it takes a little while for you to, you know, get back in the dating game and, you know. <laughs> I've been burned before. I don't want to be burned again. I think part of my problem in terms of my excitement levels, besides the fact that we just haven't had any, like, anything to go on since Celebration, is there's so much riding on this movie being something that I love. Like, I want to love The Mandalorian. I want it to be something that I love. But if I don't love The Mandalorian, that's okay, because there's no, like prior emotional investment but if I hate Rise of Skywalker after nine fucking movies and all of my lifetime <laughs> like that fucking sucks it does which you know is why it's weird for me now to put, you know, so much pressure on a movie to, you know, like how I did with the Galaxy's Edge. Like, I put so much pressure that this is going to be, like, a life-changing experience. And, you know, it wasn't. It was, you know, a parking expansion. And, you know, part of me is afraid that, you know, I'm going to see episode nine and be like, yeah, that was a movie. Yeah. You know? The thing is, it, it's, it can't just be a movie. Um, It just, it can't be at this point for me like if it's just a movie that's a fucking disappointment because i fucking love the force awakens i've loved the last jedi and so if you don't like the last movie in the trilogy and especially when it's the last movie after three trilogies oh boy that is a lot to deal with emotionally yeah Maybe I'm just, like, emotionally attached to, you know, the friends I made along the way more than, like, the movies now. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And I'm, like, that's not going to change. But I still really want to like this movie. Me too. And I know I will. Like, I, I love Star Wars. See, I don't know I will, though. I didn't like Solo. Are you afraid of Ben Demption? I am. First of all, I, like, I fucking can't stand that term. But um, I'm not. I'm pretty much resigned to it. But sort of how it plays out in the end, I am concerned over. Like, I, I am 100% convinced it's going to happen which i don't think it should it's just whether they do it well or not is that like one of the biggest things like upsets you about you know possibly 
this movie is, you know, the redemption of, you know, a character that did so much harm and that's, well, here, you know, yeah. very triggering. Yeah, it well, it is because that's the thing is it's not, it's not just that he's a character that I don't like. It's that there is a lot of shit that character brings up in terms of the abuse and gaslighting of Ray. That is that I don't want to see play out on screen as some sort of romantic hero. Like I don't, I don't mind that other people see him that way. I don't mind that people explore that in fan fiction. That's awesome. That's great. There's all sorts of unhealthy characters that I've romanticized. I, I just, I, I don't want to see it on screen. It would be traumatic in terms of the shit that it would bring up for me. Mm. And so I I definitely I definitely am concerned about that. Mm. Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way and that, you know, these concerns are in your head. I mean, overall, it it, it makes me sad because it's like, you know, I I want to be excited for this. And I don't know, like, not that I could care less right now, but, I mean, I'm, I'm excited that other people are really excited, you know, like, listening to podcasts and, you know, talking to my friends. Yeah, Star Wars, it's coming back. It's going to be here in December. You know, it's going to be on our TVs in November, and it's going to be with us for a very long time. Yeah, but it's sort of like... I don't know. Right now, like most of my focus is is on the Mandalorian because it can just be, maybe it'll just be fun. I just want to see Pedro Pascal being hot, and I want to see Werner Herzog being all weird and giving crazy fascist speeches and shit. And I want, I want that. I want to see. I know he's not IG eighty eight, but I think he's what is he like IG eleven or some shit, like spinning around and shooting things, because that has. Even though I've been wanting a Star Wars live action TV show for a super long time, and it is in some ways very important that they show that's a viable medium, it doesn't it doesn't have the sort of emotional pressure to it. So I can just be like, man, I think this is going to be fun and awesome, and I love the stuff we saw at Celebration, and if it sucks... I'll get over it pretty fucking quick. Yeah. There we go. You know what sounds nice right now? What? Like a nice ribeye steak. (laughs) Okay. Like, I've been thinking about that all day. (laughs) Here's what's great. Is when you started that sentence, I thought you were going to make some sort of super smooth transition into our next topic. That is not the way you went. And I love you. <laughs> I love you too. But speaking of a hot steak, <laughs> we have a monthly Mendo movie. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Now, once I do this, 
No one's saying be there. No one's saying stop that. No one's saying see here. Free to run around all day. Free to do it my way. I just can't wait to be king. I just can't wait to be king. His voice is so fucking hot. Uh, yeah, it is. Like, I would be, like, embarrassed to, like, admit, like, the first couple times, like, how turn-on I would get hearing that. But, like, now, like, I'm just, I'm totally fine with talking about turn-ons and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's always really sick. Yeah, we're finally doing another Monthly Men movie. It's been a long fucking time. I think it was Captain Marvel. We sort of fell off. We're just sort of busy, and it was hard to, like, have time to both sit down and watch a movie. But... We watched The Big Steel, which is an Australian film from 1990. It is, I believe, his one of his first like lead roles, maybe the first lead. Yeah. Um it is <clears throat> really a kind of John Hughes sort of teen romance comedy thing. Yeah. Um yeah, basically we're not we're not going to like recap this movie. Um first of all, like look, if you live in the US, it, good luck fucking finding it. Uh we got it because uh our buddy turbo hooked me up with a copy but it's it's it, yeah i don't think it ever even like came out on dvd or anything here um i mean i believe the dvd is region free so if you really wanted to get it you could buy it somewhere but um you know he's 18 year old ben Mendelssohn, uh with like sort of weird but very loving parents uh they give him he's obsessed with um jaguars and he wants a jaguar the car not the cat although oh my god how much better would that movie be <laughs> he's so cute anyway his parents give them their old car which is this like super old dorky thing he in order to impress a girl that he likes tells him that he has a jaguar he does not he trades in his parents' car and also puts in a bunch of money for a uh, used Jaguar. He gets fucked over by the very stereotypically slimy used car salesman who like switches out the engine in the car after he sells it to him. So when he's out on this date, the car breaks down. He makes an ass of himself and the girl runs off. And then the rest of the movie is capery shit as he is and his friends get revenge on this used car salesman it's very silly which i'm not used to in my ben mendelson movies yeah i agree like even though i've never seen a john hughes movie or whatever his name is it definitely felt like a john hughes movie well you know but you know like the pretty in pink like breakfast club sort of 
you know, like the, the 80s teen comedies, which I'm like, there's no reason for you to have seen very many of, but you would have at least seen like clips and, and memes and stuff from them. Never seen clips. Really? Yeah, because I feel like it would not like ruin the movie for me, but like I, I stay away from it. Like I know like memes and everything, like how like apparently like they're all into tension on this day or something and You've never seen... You've never seen Ferris Bueller? Oh, I've seen Ferris Bueller. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a huge movie. Oh. Okay, yeah. Okay. I'm not terribly uh out of media, but I I thought it was really cute. Um Mendo was like he was dorky and kind of cute and even when he was crying in his car about how the girl of his dreams you know ran away from him because his car blew up yeah yeah and it's just you know it's it's very much hits the like it was 1990 but feels like an 80s movie in terms of nice dorky kid with the nice dorky parents and the rich girl with the asshole father yeah their bits were funny but it's just it's really cute it's it's always nice to see mendo when he's just playing a really nice guy i mean look there's a reason he gets cast as villains a lot he's a really good villain but just sort of sweet dorky teenage mendo was was a nice break from that yeah, little cute dorky Mendo. With some really good hair. Yeah, it was kind of like reddish. It's really thick. I'm trying not to get too... Because, like, he, look, he's 18 in this movie. I think he was actually, like, in his early 20s. But the character's 18, so I'm like... Okay. <laughs> I know, like, I'm... <laughs> I'm getting to that point already where, like, I see someone on TV and I'm like, I can't say anything. Like, that is just weird. But, I mean, I don't really, like, I'm very specific on, like, celebrity crushes and everything. Like, because I'm so into, like, celebrity pop culture, like, I can't see a celebrity and, like, not know everything about them and, like, be, like, immediately turned off. You know? So... It's hard for me to be like, wow, like, I'd want to sleep with that guy or that man's attractive, like, when I already know everything about him. Like, Mendo, like, you know, everything I've heard about Mendo so far, so good, so. Did you read that interview with his ex-wife? Because that's a bit, there's some full-on shit in that one. God damn it. I haven't read that yet. No, not, no, it's not, like, it's just he, I don't know, he's very... He's very blokey. There's not like any like abusive shit or anything like that in there, because then I my my crush on Mendo would have officially ended that day. But it was um, blokey. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. What? No, what is blokey? Like a bloke. Like very like. I mean, look, I get that's like the Australian way to say it, but you <laughs> know, like very much like a dude. Well, yeah, Mendo's a dude, bro. Kind of. I feel like in another life you were Australian. <laughs> like you're the most Australian American I think I will ever know. 
and I love that. Uh, yeah, it's all the fault of podcasts. Fucking Will Anderson, man. Fucking ruined it. But he brought you here. Yeah, there we go. Oh, did you know that the guy playing the dorkier of his friends um not not the not the one not the greek one who's having sex with the girl in the car the other friend is played by the guy who was manson and once upon a time in hollywood oh shit yeah damon harriman who was also in justified and he's awesome he's a really good actor we never talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that's right, because I was sick. How'd you like it? Oh, I fucking loved it. Loved it. I love Brad Pitt. And I think that was the first time I've seen a Brad Pitt movie in the theaters. Or a Leo movie. I just loved Cliff. Like... Just everything about him, you know, like that. I don't know. Like, there's a part in the movie where he goes back and reminisces, and that lasts, like, for, like, a whole fucking hour, just about. Right? Didn't that one scene where he's on the roof, like, I feel like that lasted for a really long time. That scene was, like, ten minutes. It it felt like it lasted long for me, because then I'm like, wait, we're back to here? Like, Quentin Tarantino movies are, like, a little confusing for me, because, like, uh, if I'm watching a movie at home and I'm stressed out about the plot, like I have to look at like a little part of it so that like I kind of know what's happening because like for some uh-huh. reason sometimes like movies stress me out and you know, maybe the fact that I was in kind of like, I didn't like the theater I was in and I was kind of feeling like on edge and maybe it was that too, but I was just like, I have no idea what's happening, but I really liked it. Um, we yeah we had a little bit of trouble in the beginning which is it got because uh, I went to see it uh, in the 35 millimeter because I wanted to see it on film and it got maybe not even five minutes into the movie and it stopped oh shit <laughs> like lights come up in the theater I'm like oh fuck god damn it if there was a fire or something I'm gonna be so pissed right now and first the announcement was okay there's a problem with the with the film and because it's the film we have to stop or it'll be like it could be permanently damaged that's the problem with doing it on film and they're like we're not sure if we're going to be able to, to like start it up again on 35 millimeter if we're going to have to do the digital so then we're sitting around for like 10 minutes and then they're like okay we got it back it's going to be in 35 millimeter and they still gave us all like free passes for another movie oh that's cool which was nice but yeah, I, I'm sort of glad, like, if it was going to happen, happening five minutes into the movie is where you want it. <laughs> like, if that happened, you know, like, right near the end or something, that would have been, that would have pissed me off. But it happened early enough where I'm like, okay, I can get back into this again really quickly. Oh, yeah, especially, like, if it happened, like, during, like, the last, like, ten minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah, and I don't like I don't want to get into details because you know it's like relatively still new. But I I thought it was I thought it was really good. I thought fucking Margot Robbie was amazing in that movie. She's amazing in everything. Like God, she was a beautiful Sharon Tate. Beautiful. Just 
her mannerisms and everything. Just like the energy that she had that she was just captivating to watch. Yeah, I would, you know, like I wanted more of her, but I understood that that wasn't her story. But God, I loved her. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's my, it's, it's, I mean, probably not my favorite Tarantino movie, but it's my favorite of the last several, I think. I mean, I'm going to have to watch it a couple more times before I know that for sure. But um, I really liked it, and it did not feel like an almost three-hour movie to me. Hmm. Like, I, I was never looking at my watch, which I normally am, even when I am enjoying a movie. Because I get, I just, I just get antsy sitting in the theater for that long. But I didn't, I didn't feel the runtime on this one at all. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, there are some parts definitely where I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like, I think like halfway through the movie, I was thinking in my head, "I do not know the plot of this movie at all. I don't really know <laughs> what's going on. Like, what even is this?" There's not a ton of plot. Yeah, it's not. It's you know, it's about an actor whose <laughs> career is dwindling and what that sort of means. Like, it's not a very plotty movie. I think I was just expecting like kind of a plotty movie. So when I got there, I was just, but that didn't affect me liking the movie whatsoever. Like, I thought it was really good. No, I fucking love that one. I love Brad Pitt too. He was really good. He's a beautiful man. He is. He's somebody who I find much more attractive now that he's older. Yeah, I I like single Brad now. Like, I don't know what happened with him and Angelina Jolie. But I don't know. I want him to do more movies so I can go see him in the movie theaters. But back to Mendo, it was a cute movie. Yeah, I I feel like if you have access to this movie, this is a movie that is a very enjoyable to watch. It's like 90 minutes. It's just a cute romantic comedy. There's some, you know, wacky 80s teen romance shit. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was cute. I I really liked his parents. Me too. I I liked his friends too. His friends helped him in the end and everything. I always like a movie where they have good friends. Because that's really hard to find. Aww. Yeah. Okay. Should we do a quick voicemail and then we'll do there, I just have a very brief fuck Mariko we're not going to do bed watch this week because we have so much stiff but there's a time relevant fuck Mariko I want to do yeah okay but first we have a voicemail from our buddy Rick and he says it's a question about books so let us see what he has to say the song 
voicemail, voicemail, voicemail song. I, I don't know. Um, This is loading and I don't know when it's going to start to play. So that is the voicemail song today. Hey, Emily and Brittany. It's Rick in Chicago. <laughs> and I want to start by saying, Emily, I hope you're feeling better. Obviously, you weren't on last week. So if you're back, I'm glad you're back. Um, I have just a kind of a quick question uh, for you, too. I was listening to uh, another show and uh, talk Star Wars. And um, they had suggested that Drew Karpishin, who wrote the Darth Bane trilogy, uh, write a Krennic trilogy, which to me sounds fantastic. If you haven't read the Bane trilogy, uh, they're top notch. I, for what I've read so far, I'm midway through book two, and, and I love them. They're, they're, they're great. Um, but if that was to happen, if Drew decided to write a Krennic book or a trilogy, whatever, whatever the story is, what kinds of things would you like to see in that story? Now, obviously, we, it would be a backstory. It would be his coming up through uh, Imperial ranks and stuff like that. But what specifics would you want to see in Krennic's backstory? So I'll let you guys um, all over that for a little bit. Um, say cheers to you both. And may that force be with you. Thanks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love this question. Okay, I haven't read the Darth Bane trilogy because I've read so few of the Star Wars books, especially like the old Legends ones. Um, <sighs> there's so much I want. I mean, we got a little bit in Catalyst, but there's so much more that I want. I want to know about his family. I want to know about his parents. I want to know what like we little Krennic was like. Um, we know a little bit in terms of and 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 this is stuff that both the, through Catalyst and also through stuff that um, Mendo's talked about. And it's part of the reason that he used his Australian accent was to separate Krennic from most of the other Imperial officers we see. Um, to make him different than, I mean, Tarkin is the obvious one. Um both because, the, you know, we definitely see them at loggerheads most of the time, but also just because Tarkin's backstory is that he's from this, you know, rich, privileged, politically active, important family. And then you have Krennic, who was from, like, the wrong side of the tracks. I would love to see that explored more. Uh, why he decided to go to the Imperial Academy. What what drove that? Was it simply to have better circumstances and he saw it as a way out of the life he was in? Or if he already, even at that age, believed in what the Empire was doing? Uh, uh, Mendelssohn has said... And I think it, it seems that way in the film, too. Although, yes, he's definitely interested in power. Krennic is a true believer. He's somebody who believes in what the Empire is doing. And I think you could do a lot with that. Yeah, I would like to know more about Krennic. I would like, you know, one of these streaming shows on Disney Plus to dive into that a little more i mean you need a bad guy in the cassian show 
why can't it be Mendo? Like, maybe Mendo and Cassian, like, have this, like, backstory. You never know. God, I would love it. But no, I'd also like, I'd really, I'd really like to see how he got his position. He, like, very, you know, manipulative, backstabby sort of stuff. Um, we see in Catalyst him like sort of like flat out lying to people sometimes in order to to get on this project and to to get his his the power that he has and sort of coalesce um, that. I'd I'd love to see more of that. I'd like to really follow his whole time at the academy. Yeah, we don't really know what the academy is like. Yeah, and to know what the, especially what the Academy is like for for somebody like Krennic, um, who doesn't have the the political connections that a lot of people there would have had. Um, yeah, I like I like that story in general. The the working class kid in the uh, upper class culture and the, the clashes that brings and sort of like clawing your way into it. Yeah. And like, yeah. I just, I want to know, I want to know besides like Galen, I want to know who his, who his friends were. I want to know what his interests were? Was it just always a power grab, or was there other stuff going on too? Like, does does like Krennic have a love life or anything like that? I mean, besides Mon Mothma, obviously, obviously, and you. <laughs> Oh, I love him. But, but, yes, he still needs to be an evil asshole. Oh, yeah, because then he wouldn't be chronic. Yeah. Like, he's a bad guy. He's a straight out fascist. Like, I mean, you can look at some of the people working for the Empire and you sort of go, okay, they don't, they don't really know what they're doing and they've been you know like brainwashed since they were kids or they're just sort of think they're working for the government Krennic is purposely building a Death Star and knows what that means and thinks that you know flat, flat out thinks that terror is an okay way to control a population Like explicitly says that, so you know that that you need to to keep, and you can you can have that and still make a character enjoyable to read and likable in terms of its fiction, so you can like that shit, and and even still have parts of it that are sympathetic and parts of it where you care about him and want him to succeed, but not lose sight of the fact that it's fascist. 
and he needs to lose yeah. in the end. And it's good that he loses in the end. And he, you know, <laughs> is killed by his own hubris. So. Killed by the thing he loves the most. Yeah. Well, and Tarkin. What if they brought back CGI Tarkin for the Cassian series? No, thank you. I wouldn't mind, but I would only mind if uh, Peter's family didn't approve. I just, I, I still, that's the one part of Rogue One that does not work for me. As happy as I am to see Tarkin again, I just, like, visually, the effect does not work for me. It's, it looks like somebody painted a cartoon into a live action movie and and so I'm mm. I don't know it just doesn't work for me as much as I love Tarkin uh, if we see Tarkin again either that technology needs to be vastly improved or stick him in a cartoon you have you have Tarkin yeah, in the last season of Clone Wars you have Tarkin in the last season of Clone Wars get Steve Stanton to do fucking more Tarkin totally happy with that That would be nice. Stanton's Peter Cushion impression is spot on. He's a good dude. Ah, oh, fucking love him. I'm sad we didn't. I'm sad we didn't get to hear him more of him in uh, Resistance. Yeah, yeah, that's a shame. And but it looks like he's gonna be at least a little. I mean, he's in the trailer. Like Griff's in the trailer. So I'm hoping we see him a little bit more and maybe the the rest of the aces will have something more to do. Fingers crossed. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Rick, for the voicemail. Emily, do you want to get to the uh, fuck, Mary kill? Yes. Here's my fuck, Mary kill for you. Okay. R2-D2 Barbie, Darth Vader Barbie, and Leia Barbie. You have to fuck R2 Barbie because she looks so cool. Like, she's like the coolest girl, but like she's like nice. Cause you know sometimes those cool girls, like they, they know they're cool and they're assholes. Like she's that cool girl that's like cool, nice to everyone, you know. She's like Snow White, you know, all nice to the animals and shit. And but she's also like down a couple shots of whiskey. Like she's badass. I'd fuck her. Um, kill Vader. Marry Leia. Okay. What about you? I think I'm gonna fuck Darth Vader Barbie. Because Darth Vader Barbie looks like she would hurt me. <laughs> okay. I like that. She actually, like, when I first saw it, I'm like, she has this whole, like, Anna Wintour thing going on. And, like, with the sunglasses. I don't know. It's just, that was the vibe that I got. She just looks like a stone bitch. And that's what I'm into. Um, I don't know. R2-D2 Barbie is fucking awesome. She looks cool. I love her blue hair. I like her eye makeup. I like her little eye cut off part of C-3PO and made him into a purse purse. Leia's pretty. But I feel like... I don't know... I don't know if I want to necessarily marry the cool girl because it's not like my thing, but I feel like Princess Leia Barbie is a little bit boring, especially compared to the others and kind of prissy. 
And so I think I would mm. probably kill Leia Barbie and marry R2 Barbie. Marrying R2 Barbie might be a little bit exhausting because she's like always wants to be doing shit and like going out to the club. But I don't know. I think Leia, maybe Leia Barbie is just too like. Like, girly for me. Well, maybe you need that excitement in your life, you know? Like, go to the bars. Like, go to the clubs. Like, you know, I was I was just driving past, like, this, like, 80s bar that I went to, like, in October. And I almost died because I drank so much fucking alcohol. And I'm like, you know, I should go back there and try to create, like, better memories instead of the time when I was, you know, puking my brains out. Because I wasn't feeling the jello shots. So, I had seven of them. Seven of them two Long Island iced teas and um, Sprite and vodka in like one of those like big gulp things. <laughs> That's a lot. I don't know how I'm alive, <laughs> but I know that I can never have vodka again. I did have a Bloody Mary for the first time though on Saturday. Oh, I Bloody Marys. It was really nice. Like I was, uh, I was with a uh, Araj and Lorena and like they're only like five dollars and like they were really nice Bloody Marys like they they got them first and you know they had like the celery stick and the bacon and it was so beautiful and I'm like I need to drink one of those like I don't care if like if I don't like it like I just need it because it's so aesthetically pleasing but I actually really did like it so yeah Bloody Marys Especially five dollars. That's a oh, cheap that's a Bloody good, Mary, good, and it was really good. Really spicy Ooh, though. I like. I, but I, I like, like spicy. That's what I like about Bloody. I like my. Yeah. I like my Bloody Marys on the spicy side. Yeah, come to California and have our spicy Bloody Marys. I mean, I can get them here without paying three hundred dollars for a plane ticket. You'll be here in in celebration, <laughs> in celebration for celebration. Yeah, and it, and we'll get here. That's that's a while. That's going to be so much fun, though. You'll get a drink Dole Whip with rum. And then uh, do a bunch of fun things. You know what I'm thinking, but I'm not going to say it. Okay. But yeah, it's going to be fun. Brittany, where can people yeah. find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter as Canto Brit and Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. Um, if you're at the D23 Expo, please say hi to me and let me know how you're doing. And I'll try to post a lot about the Expo and how I feel and about it and everything. So check out my Twitter. What about you, Emma? I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. You can email us, CantoBitePod at gmail.com. So if there's cool news out of D23, we'll be talking about that next weekend. So send us emails on that. You can also send us voice messages like Rick did. You can send us Fuck, Mary Kills. You can send us characters you want us to do Bedwatch on, which if you haven't heard that segment before, it's you send us a character and we evaluate what they would be like in bed. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um. Other than that, you know, 
yeah, send us your thoughts on whatever we talked about this week. Send us things that you think we should be talking about. Um, if you like us, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or however you are listening to us. That helps us out. You know, tweet about the show. That also, you know, helps spread the word and gives us a bigger audience, which is maybe not great with what we talk about. So, you know, make sure people know what they're getting into. And other than that, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.